radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Puck played across. Subban kicks out. by Subban. Montreal's on top. What a bomb. Smith probably puts it off the boards of P.K. Subban. Times it perfectly. Sunday, April 18th, 2021. Happy Jim Jeffries Day, everybody. Uh, it is Laced Up Hockey Podcast. Wow. And, yeah. Uh, just uh, just the two of us this week. Yeah. No guests. No, I'm Bruce Vitaglia from the high button. I got it right this week. There you go. And Still I'm kind of uh, stumbled. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird just the two of us, kind of. It just feels... Uh, I feel like I haven't seen you. I feel like I haven't seen you because every time we are recording, it feels like we're at a party, you know, where we're kind of in the same conversation, but we're not really talking to each other. And so I haven't really talked to you in a few weeks, it feels like. So it's kind of nice. Not that not that it's nice that I haven't talked to you. It's nice that I'm currently talking to you. Isn't it weird? I enjoy being friends with you. You'll, you'll go to the same... Oh, thanks, man. Um, uh, I, I, too, uh, like your, you know... Uh, friendship thank you oh wow this is a sappy opening um isn't it weird though like when when you and a and a couple buddies or just one buddy even will go to the same party but like you won't interact at said party you'll you know maybe you're interacting with other people maybe you're talking up a a nice lady perhaps Mm. um and then and then like a couple days later you're talking to your buddy and you both know you're at the party but both of you had vastly different like perspectives on how that party went and whether or not it was a good party or not a good party, yeah, I've always I've always loved those type of uh, stories. Yeah, I I uh, when I was younger and I would go out to the bars on the weekend. I uh, when you were allowed to do that as well. I uh, I was very bad for uh, going with a group and then not hanging out with that group most of the night, um, like a like a puppy kind of. You see you see someone new. You gotta investigate, or you see someone you kind of know. You gotta, you gotta, you know what I mean. Look into that, uh, and then I just wouldn't see my friends for a couple hours. There is a friend of mine. Um, shout out to a friend of the show, Joe Willis. Uh, when we would go out together, me and Joe would go together. I don't think we ever had a night out together, but we always went out places together. You know what I mean? Like we would walk into the entrance, and then I just text him at like one thirty, and be like, "You want to go?" Time to go home. You'd be like, yeah, let's go. That'd be it. We wouldn't see each other the whole night. Different people whole night. It was great. I, I love him for that. Yeah, he's, he, well, and part of the problem is, is that when you go out with Joe, um, he doesn't have time for the people in no. the building because he and knows them all. So he's got to yeah. spend 30 seconds. And 
I feel bad for him because I feel like he doesn't really get the same experience as a lot of people. His idea of a good party is maybe going somewhere and not knowing uh, the entire uh, guest list. Shaking know, hands so. and kissing babies. Exactly. He's got to do what um, he's got to do. It's uh, it's a short short gap between episodes, uh, between record time here. So there, there isn't as much what you might call uh, breaking news to get to. But we got a, a fun little palette in front of us. We've got... Uh, some some neat things we're gonna get to and uh what kind of palette are we talking like a like a palette of paint or are we talking like a like a, a palette that you would ship product on like a wooden palette wow i was thinking like palette like when you're eating food you have a oh like so a like your your mouth palette a lot okay. of palettes i was thinking wooden palette more so like we're gonna this is an episode of of a bunch of product and we're gonna just yeah. take each box off and see what's in each one of them you know one by yeah, one. Today's today's pallet shipment maybe not as big as other weeks, but uh, that's still, right. It's still being delivered to us, and we're still gonna, you know, put it where it belongs. Yeah, yeah. Was uh, April a busy time at the deli? Well, in your it deli depended, days, it, it, it depended which depends weekend uh, of, of the year Easter fell on. So, if, so say, but yeah. say like this type of year where Easter was in like late late March, early April. You know, like is May is May eighteenth a busy day? Would it have been busy today at Superstore, uh, provided there weren't a pandemic? I mean, probably. It's still the school year, so right. it's a Saturday. All the all the moms. Oh, it's oh, stuff. it is a Saturday, right? Wow. Yeah, so it would have been pretty hopping. I feel. I'm all screwed up because I'm working Sunday to Thursday right now. So I thought today was Sunday the entire day. And there were like a lot of my friends posting things like I'm out doing this or I'm doing that. And I'm like, wow, everyone's having a really busy Sunday. And <laughs> now it's just dawning on me. Yeah, it's because today's the good day of the weekend. Oh, well. Well, hopefully everyone uh, listening to this is having a, a very lovely Sunday. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you who's not having a lovely Sunday. That would be the members of the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, boy. Uh, who uh, once again have had their... Uh, games delayed by two days uh, they were set to get back and uh, underway uh, according to the NHL they were supposed to play Friday nights that just passed and uh, the guys uh, the guys got together and had a little conversation and, and all kind of you know said you know maybe we shouldn't be doing this and reached out to the to the reunion and uh, lo and behold that bought them 48 hours bless the lord um, yeah Bought them 48 hours, but the NHL's still like, you still have to play those games, though. And they're like, well, no, that's kind of what we're getting at, is like, uh, the same amount of games in less days is still not good. And uh, the NHL's like, no, you're going to play them. All right, cool. Yeah, I I've, I have a hard, like, I, I'm very sympathetic to the players. I want to I wanna make that very clear off the hop, but I, I'm... I'm very torn here in terms of while the easy answer is to just not play all 56 games, um, like the Vancouver Canucks, like if you're, if, if half your roster came down with syphilis and couldn't play hockey, okay. then that's like tough titties. Like you gotta, you gotta play. Well, so I, I realize yeah. that COVID is a little yeah, different. But syphilis you, you, you sort of give it to yourself. Like, that is based right. off of a decision that you've made 
right. COVID, not exactly. So, but <laughs> potentially. Person. Second, secondly, uh, wow, what if a team had a syphilis outbreak? Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know where the outbreak occurred for Vancouver. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to blame it on the players. I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame it on anybody. But my, my point is, is that at some point the Vancouver Canucks as an organization should be responsible for filling those roster spots. Like you've, you've been given a certain amount of time off to recoup and that's more than you'd get in a normal year. And now you're supposed to go back to work and, couple of the guys aren't quite there yet well i guess you're calling up some players or you're playing with 15 guys tonight which i don't agree with but like you know what i mean like at some point there's a there's a line in the sand and we're gonna get there eventually and i suppose at what but point is it on the canucks as opposed to on the league well yeah no it's i mean here's here's the the big problem for me is like to say that it's on the league, like, sh- like, sure, yeah. Like, I, I happen to think it's 100% on the NHL at this point. Um, it was their decision to play. It's their fault directly as far as I'm concerned that this happened. And uh, therefore, it's their problem. But the other issue is, is what is the league supposed to say? Like, oh, you guys are going to come back, but we're going to play until we don't need you anymore. Like, fuck that. Like, why, why, why would any of them come back then? At least... Yeah by saying, well, no, you're going to play the rest of your season, at least the Canucks can kind of look at each other and be like, oh, fuck, maybe we can make the playoffs. You know, like, like they're not going to, but, like, at least they can tell themselves that. They can try to win. They can try to prove something. This will be this huge building block for next year, all this shit. Like, I get that. But at the end of the day, it still comes back on the NHL for them to kind of look at themselves and say, it is insanely irresponsible for us to ask these guys to play 19 games in 32 days. It just is. It, it is. It's that's mathematically insane. If you take a look at all the injuries that are happening right now in the NBA, and they're not playing 19 and 32, like like, and they're not even playing as many minutes a night. Some of these guys, like, uh, they're not even playing every game because they fucking rest stars in the NBA as it is. So, you know, that kind of worries me considering these guys are. Uh, going to be playing an insane schedule and they're also not at a hundred percent. Like that's, that's frightening to me. And, uh, I feel bad for them. Uh, even if it is someone on their team's fault, it, it's not the fault of all 23, 25 guys. Sure. Um, and it, and it clearly affected their family members too. Like we see the story, Brandon Sutter's, uh, pregnant wife and their kids got COVID like, yeah, it's not cool that, uh, you know, that this is a direct result of that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation. I mean, it's not as easy. Uh, I would love to bash the NHL as much as possible, but, like, it's not as easy as just saying uh, you should or shouldn't do this at this point, right? Like, there's implications no matter what you do, and it's not an easy uh, spot to be in. Yeah, because, like, at the end of the day for me, and, I, and I'm not suggesting that this is the case in Vancouver, but say another week is granted to them and, and they come back and they all know that they're not making a, well, maybe not all of them, but like there's, there should be enough clarity in the room to say that we're probably not making the playoffs. And in a week's time, they say, yeah, you know what? Gee, we're still not quite right. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Like 
come on. At, at some point, you're either, you know, just sitting out for the sake of sitting out or, you know, you got to play the games, right? So I'm curious at what point we get to where that is addressed and, 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 and whether we're there already because uh, as, as we talk now, they're scheduled to play tonight um, against the Leafs. So, yeah, um, which is, which like, I don't know about you, but like the most hilarious thing about this whole thing was that uh, they're like, yeah, um, so we, we aren't ready to go and I don't really know what you want us to do. And the NHL is like, okay, how about this? How, do, how about if we take your game from Saturday, okay, and you play it a few hours earlier in the day on Sunday, all right? So we'll we'll give you twenty two hours of leeway here, and uh, we we figure that's that's nice and fair. What? Like like how is a day really going to make a difference? Like they're looking for a week, and I know the NHL doesn't have a week to give them, but like. It was just sort of funny where the NHL's like, "Oh yeah, no, we'll we'll meet you halfway," and their halfway was like, "Okay, cool, like one night of sleep." Yeah, that'll make a huge difference, I'm sure. Well, it it was two days, right? Because they were supposed to play Friday night. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're they're Sunday Monday now. Um. But the Friday game was never going to happen. The Saturday game was never going to happen, and they just. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, it's well, hilarious. As of right now, they're scheduled to play through May 19th, too, which is just another one where it's like, yeah, those games against Calgary aren't happening. I, I, I don't see that happening, you know. The uh, the nice thing that the NHL did do for them, though, is they they did put them up against the Leafs on a Sunday or earlier in the day, so it's an automatic two points. That's that's nice. They're, they're, they're going to go in. They're going to win against the Leafs because, of course, they're coming off of COVID. None of the guys are 100%, so that's that's a – that's an easy win for sure. Being a Leaf fan, I know how this game is going to go already. Oh yeah, have you seen the Leafs' freaking power play? There's a pretty good chance that that's uh, not going to go well. There you go. Um. So yeah, like I, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, my my heart bleeds for them, for the players. It's it's an impossible situation. Um, like I don't want to see them come back and and put themselves in danger or get hurt or like any of the very real possibilities that are likely to occur. Um, but I, I don't, I, I can't sit here and say I have a better answer short of just saying, you know, what the Canucks are done for the year. And that's not a, that's not really a, an option either. Like I, I get why we can't just close the book on their season because there, there are implications that are relevant to other teams. And it's unfortunate that it, it works out that way, but we all knew the risks going into the season uh, you know, the Vancouver Canucks and their organization, they obviously knew the risks going into the season. So um, I don't know. It's tough. I, I, I like, like you said, I don't really know where to put my focus of the blame because I don't want to blame the players by any stretch. The league is just kind of doing what it has to do. It's yeah. Not, great, but it's the thing, right? Like it, it's, it, I, I don't know if there's anyone that you can directly blame uh, and I, I don't think there has to be, but anyone that you can directly blame where it's just like, yeah, like it's, they shouldn't have done this too, be right. Because like, you could even point your fingers at, uh, at Francesco Aquilini and just say like, well, you know, why would you put your players at risk? Like, why, why didn't you guys opt out of the season? But you can say that for all 31 teams and you know, the whole, uh, well, we, we'd be losing more money by, we're losing more money by playing than if we sat out. Fucking no, you're not. You're fucking. You're you know you're not. Like that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. 
Um, so, you know, like they, they're at the, their profits help this season. It keeps the fan base fired up about the team. It keeps their players uh, in the game. And, and what did it cost them? Well, some of the guys got sick and uh, maybe one or two of them are going to get horribly injured now because they're not playing at 100%. Like, is that a fair sacrifice for, for these guys? Probably, you know. Moving on to a happier story, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a better out, outlook on. We always start off with a bummer. I know. I don't. I don't mean to do that. Like uh, people probably fucking well, hate that we do this all the time. It's it's <laughs> it's it's because uh, the NHL has more sad stories than happy oh, ones usually. It's a it's not a good league. I no, hear that. No, it's not. Um, we start an NBA podcast. I feel like they're always having fun. That's no. True. I feel like I feel like they're always just in a good mood down there, you know. It's more of a players' league, if you will. Yeah, sure, fans. But yeah, you know, no, enjoyable some, time. Some some good news here. Um, okay. Our 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 favorite, your favorite, everybody's favorite, Taylor Hall. He's back, baby. Uh, uh wow! Lighten up the score sheet in two <laughs> goals in three nights. Yeah. Uh, since joining the Boston Bruins, uh, looks like a a man on a mission, uh, a, a reborn Renaissance type of career going on here um it's uh it's funny what will happen when you uh leave a team that is as bad as as they are in buffalo for greener pastures in massachusetts am i right i guess i mean like the nhl is filled with nhl players at any given time some of them might score so whatever i mean you know I once watched uh, Sam Gagne score eight points in the same game. Uh, and I think he had 45 points that whole season. So uh, whatever. We'll see. I mean, he looks good. He looks, he looks like he's a little, got a little bit, a uh, little bit more energy to him. Uh, from what I saw, he looked even better last night or, or on Friday night there in the three, nothing win. So it looks like he's getting his legs under him and, I don't know. I, I kind of hope he is. Like, I'm not. Uh, I don't really get this like universal love for the guy. I don't. Know. I don't really get it. But um, are you not a Taylor Hall guy? I, th- I thought you were a big Taylor Hall guy. <laughs> well, in his prime, for sure. Uh, but you know, I don't. Uh, I as I've been saying for a while now, I don't. I don't. I don't know how much more he really has to give. I guess. I guess we'll see. He looks like he's off to a good start in Boston. I. I, I don't know. I, I'm rooting for him. It's just like. I don't know. He's not one of those guys for me. Like, I just don't, I don't find him likable. I don't, uh, I'd, I like watching him play when he's on, when he's on, but he doesn't do anything when he's not on. So what the hell do I care some nights, you know? I don't know. Eh. He's, uh, I don't know. I, I like, I like the idea that we're finally getting to see uh, Taylor Hall on a team where it's not, you know, very evident that, their season lives and dies by his play. Yeah. Cause I no, don't I, think he's that type of guy. N- no, I don't. Well, not anymore. Anyway, like he, you can make the argument. Maybe he was when he was younger, but um, I mean, like, here's the thing with Taylor Hall, right? Like, um, you know, I, I can't remember if I made this point on the podcast or if, if this, this was just a conversation I had last week, but um, like, what do you think of Taylor Hall as? Do you think of him as a goal scorer, or as a playmaker, or, or like, like, what do you look at him as as a player? I, I, you know what, he's one of those weird guys that I think falls into a category where he's not, he's not really like a, a sniper, but he's not really like a playmaker either. Like, he can kind of 
mix and match depending on on what the situation calls for. Like if you need him to fly up the wing and and throw a puck on the net and you know maybe go bar down, then I've seen him do it. Like I, I think he's got that capability, but he's he almost seems more comfortable coming in, slowing things down and assessing the situation and seeing what happens. And, and if, if it's, you know, I'll take the puck to the net myself and score, he can do that. If it's dish it off a couple of times and open up some, some passing lanes, I've seen him do that as well. Like, I don't think he's limited to, to one role here. He kind of does whatever the situation calls for. He's, he's very hockey smart, I guess is my answer. Well, like he, here's, here's my thought on him, right? Is like, I, I don't look at him as purely a sniper for sure, because I've never like, don't get me wrong. He's scored very nice goals in the league before, but like, I don't look at his shot and it doesn't like, it doesn't amaze me. Like there's nothing to it to me. Like, it's just, it's, it's better than most in the NHL. But like what I say, he has a top 10 or 20 release in the league. Like, no, no, it's, he's a pretty average shot. But he happens to be fucking way faster than everyone. The problem is, is that you know if he's if he's not playing with anyone uh, that can help him out, like the highs are the highs are like right now Nikolai Ehlers, and the lows are what like Kasperi Kapanen, where it's just you know if there's nothing to do with the puck, then the play just dies on his stick or whatever. And so yeah, like I don't I don't really look at at Hall as a guy that. Uh, can be the guy, and I, I don't think he has been for a while. Um, and, you know, now that he doesn't have to be the guy in Boston, yeah, like, I'd like that set up a lot more for him. Um, you know, but I, I can also see this not not being anything outstanding either. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he, to your point, like, two goals in three games. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't score for six games now. I'm not saying it's going to happen, and I'm not saying that I'm betting on it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, that, that, that is fair. Like the nice thing that I, I I will comment on is that he's doing it in a, a limited ice time capacity. Like he's he's not getting the minutes he was in Buffalo, and he's he's making the most of them. So uh, you know, I think the Bruce Cassidy effect is certainly helping him get the the best possible matchups that he can get as a player, and he's taking advantage of them. Uh, to your point, yeah, absolutely, guys. Guys go through the ups and downs all season long, and um, he he probably will have some downs with Boston. He's brand new to the lineup he's he's probably not familiar with a lot of the situations that they're going to find themselves in as the season winds down and 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 even one thing too like just i'm not sure how good boston really is like that's another thing right better than i thought but uh yeah you're, you're you're not wrong well but but what i'm saying is that you know their their defense is kind of sketchy like even when everyone's healthy i don't look at that and i'm like wow you know, um, and as we've seen before, if your top end talent can't carry your defense, then you're going to run into trouble. And I don't really look at their forward group as being all that freaking deep either. Like their top line is insane. And the second line now looks like it's a lot better. But, you know, like I don't again, I don't really consider them to be deep. So I just I wouldn't be shocked if Boston kind of sputters a bit here and Taylor Hall sputters a bit, and, you know, like, I just, I don't know that this is a slam dunk, the Bruins are fixed sort of move for me. Like, I just, I don't quite see it there yet, Uh, but that might be the case. Like, I don't know if they're, they're, they look good to me, but. Yeah, like, one thing we didn't talk about on on Monday with the panel there was just the 
that kind of domino effect that took place in the in the Mass Mutual East Division, where you, you saw Lou Lamorello go out there early and get his two guys, uh, Zay Jack and, and Palmieri. And then, you know, Boston kind of right before, like right at midnight the night before, they go out, they, they do the Taylor Hall trade. And Pittsburgh, like right after that, they go out and get Jeff Carter. And, and now Washington, like, oh, they go and get Anthony Mantha at the, the, the you know, last minute that no one saw coming. And I think each of those teams were kind of reacting to each other in a way, right? Like Washington was the last to make a move, but they're in first place. So they didn't really have that pressure. It's, it's once they saw everyone behind them making mm-hmm. those moves. And um, so I, I think Boston did really well to go out and get Taylor Hall. And he definitely helps. And he's, he's hopefully going to be a, a big part of their, their run here however however long it lasts but uh um yeah you're right like it's it's definitely not a it's not a good hockey team and it's it's not like you're getting a heart good. trophy player at this point but they're they're good but like i don't, I don't know if taylor hall turns them into a, a cup contender for me like he, right. he makes them better but you know like like what are what are my thoughts here on the bruins like my thoughts are uh could i see them coming out of that division in making it to the conference final. Yeah. Do I see them beating any of, any of the other top teams from any of the other divisions? No, not at all. Like, I, I think they get steamrolled by uh, the Lightning, Hurricanes, or uh, Panthers. I think, they get, I think the Leafs will beat them. I think uh, Vegas, Colorado, even Minnesota probably beat them. So... And do I think that they're that team coming out of there? Like, they wouldn't be my pick. So it's just like, you, you for sure make this move. Like, this, it's, I don't think I actually said. The move itself is fantastic, right? Because even if he doesn't work out, it's a second-round pick. But even already, he's done enough for you to justify the pick. So fuck it, you know? But, um, but like, does it move the needle that much? No, it's a great move. And thankfully, they didn't have to give up very much for him. And it's the move they should have made all along. So that's great. Um, but, you know, the good news is they're not going to look dumb if it doesn't work out. That's all I guess I'm trying to say here. That's for do sure. You think, uh, do you think he stays there? Do you think Taylor Hall resigns in Boston? I, I don't see how. Like, obviously, he had the power to kind of tell his agent or sorry, tell, tell Kevin Adams, that is, um, you know, where he's going to go. He had the no movement clause. Uh, ball was definitely in his court. He picked Boston or, you know, maybe of the suitors, Boston was the only one that really, you know, appealed to him. But I, I think when you look at the, the way the Bruins are set up uh, in the short term, at least it just, I don't think it works out. I think Taylor Hall would want to stay there, but they've got a decent amount of cap space, right? Like they have, uh... do they? Well, they have Krejci at seven two five expiring this off season. That's so true. I mean, I you're you're gonna the books. you're gonna keep them, but like it's gonna be at a discount. You've got Tuka Rask at seven million again. You keep him, but is he getting seven million again? I don't know. Like I I don't know that he is. I I think that they could easily talk him into five or six. Um, if I'm Tuka Rask, I'd get the fuck out of there while the getting's good. But yeah. <laughs> you know, but like I I think they have uh space to make it work if they want to make it work and i think taylor hall wants to be there the guy i wouldn't be shocked if uh if before the end of the playoffs he signs some sort of a five-year you know 30 million dollar deal or something and and you know away you go 
I honestly, like, I, I think you're pretty on the mark with everything there. I think that that deal gets done in the summertime uh, just so that they don't mm, have to worry true. about the Seattle protection yeah. nonsense but yeah that free um, agent that free agent class is going to look real good till uh till that expansion yeah. draft happens eh? yeah you're like wow it's, look at all these guys tough. nobody can re-sign anyone like I, I if i'm taylor hall i probably dip my toe in the water right like i know it i know the water was pretty cold last <laughs> summer when he tried it but yeah. if if yeah. boston's got the interest and you and like you can kind of say that they're your fallback or your fail safe or what, what have you I just I look at this Bruins roster and, I, and if I'm Taylor Hall, I'm thinking like, yeah, look, like David Krejci, he's 34, Bergeron's 35, Marshawn's 32, Rask's getting up there. Like, who's on the back end? McAvoy, and that's about it. Like, yeah, Taylor Hall makes a difference, but like, is he just gonna wind up back in a situation where he was in New Jersey, where in a couple of years he's I, I mean I, I know you have David Pasternak, but in a couple of years, like the Bruins probably aren't really all that competitive unless they can, you know, do the on the fly type of rebuild that it looks like they're going to have to attempt. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like where, so where's the right fit for him then? Like if, if to... you're, if you're Taylor Hall. Yeah. <laughs> I realize we, I realize we just discussed this uh, less than a year ago, but if you're Taylor Hall, where do you want to go? You know that's right. That's a great question because like, because all... when you think about it, because you talk about their window maybe closing, right? So yeah. if 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 that's the case and you don't want to be anywhere like that, then even and this is even cap aside on this argument that rules out uh, Dallas, that rules out Nashville, that rules out Washington. Um, like who else is old? Uh, it probably rules out Chicago. Like, like immediately there are teams that come off the books. Then you have to look at where can you fit under the salary cap. So that rules out Toronto. That rules mm-hmm. out Tampa. That rules out Vegas. Uh, mm-hmm. It probably rules out Colorado because of all mm-hmm. the things that they have to do now. Like, they've kind of decided who their guns are going to be now. Like, they're at that point yep. where they're not bringing them in. So it's like, as soon as you start thinking about it, where where is he going where they can fit him under the salary cap and he doesn't have to be the guy. Cause that's your third problem. He's the guy in Montreal. He's the, he's the guy. Like there are teams where he I just two becomes teams. the guy. Okay. I got two teams for you. Buffalo. No. And Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buffalo and Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, New York hockey Rangers. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'd be good with that. They have a little bit of wiggle room with the cap if they if they yeah. can make it work if if they just don't re-sign Brendan Smith. Um, well, I got news for you, James. I think they're mm-hmm. going to let him let let him go. That's probably in their best interest. Um, yeah, I I would I would happily go to the New York Rangers if I was Taylor Hall. And the other option yeah. would be the Ottawa Senators. And you see, maybe see, don't see get the money. He's but... the guy immediately, though. No, come on. Sure he is. Me? In may, may, maybe for a season, but in two years, Kachuk's ahead of you, Stutzel's ahead of you, and Pro- probably. But I honestly think that Taylor Hall is at a point where, like, I don't know if he can afford another year of getting his fucking confidence tossed around. Like, I just don't know if he can. I, I, I haven't yeah. seen a star player 
believe in themselves less as, as it seems Taylor Hall does. And this isn't a knock on the guy. He's been put in impossible situations for years. But he, he genuinely, before he got traded to Boston, just seemed so dejected. And I don't know if he can endure another year of that. And I think Ottawa's got a... I think they're building a pretty good culture there. But I think there's a lot not to like there, too. So yeah. I don't mind your thought. I look but at if him I, as like if I'm him, Ryan 2. If I'm him, they are a absolutely no to me. Like, I, maybe, I, maybe. I hate it from the get-go. Yeah. It's, but on paper, yeah, that's you're you're kind of suggesting the right thing. You're right, but like he he's the guy next year. That's my point, right? Like he he's better. Uh, I mean, okay, even if he's not better than than Brady Kachuk, he still becomes their best winger when he gets there, right? Like like he is on, on paper, he's going to be the guy. Everyone knows Stutzel's going to be what he's going to be, but is he that right now? No, like no, and he, he's going to be a couple years. So immediately you're the guy like, that's just my thought is, is, and you know, if Drake Batherson's out scoring you every night and Batherson's scoring at a 0.75 clip, then you're going to look like an, you're going to, again, it's going to be hard to justify millions and millions of dollars for you. And it might fuck them up. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I guess Broadway it is then for Taylor Hall. Yeah. I, I think I'd be good with that. You know, I, like I didn't, uh, again, like, when they were talking about it, I didn't mind the Islanders as a fit, but like he again would be their best winger. Like yeah. he uh, immediately, like he needs to go somewhere where they have a Pasternak, where they have a Panarin, where he can kind of just blend in and sort of just play his game on the second line because that's that's what he is is a second line player on a good team. That's what he is now. He he, you know, you know where I I think he'd be a a fantastic fit, but it, it'll never work cap wise. Um, would be Winnipeg because you're going to get a great centerman regardless. You know whether you go into next season. You know you got Shifley on line one, you got Dubois on line two. Like you're sitting pretty, I think, in Winnipeg on the wing. Yeah, it gives you options to move Blake Wheeler down the lineup too, which they I think would like. You got you still got Connor, you still got Ehlers, who look at this point like better players than Taylor Hall most nights. So. Oh, for sure. I I, two, I think this big this year. I think Nick Ehlers is a top ten winger in the league. I don't know if you asked me to do uh, a, a top ten ranking of who I think they actually are if I'd put him in there. But this year, he's been one of the ten best wingers in the league for sure. He's he's insane this season. Yeah, who comes off the? I guess you could if you let Paul you know Paul Stastny walks and maybe you don't bring back Matthew Perot. You you might be able to make it work, but. They desperately need to figure out something on D, though. Yeah. Like it, it's uh, it's make or break time for for that for that core. Uh, maybe that's not how I want to word it. it. It's just it's it's such a glaring oh, issue, you're right. yeah. Night after yeah. night, right? Like everyone talks about how the Jets are are the Jets are a horrible analytical team. Like trust me, I I write about this team. I've seen every number. There is very little that I can look at to justify. Uh, how good they are like they are they are an outlier in in some regards and when I watch them it all starts with their defense Um, like they're just their inability to get the puck back when they don't have it they scramble in their zone for minutes on end everyone gets tired and then uh, you know by by the time you get it out you've given up seven fucking high danger chances or something like that and it happens every single night 
as soon as you can get it from the Jets, you can hem them in their zone. And they don't play with the puck enough to ease it up on the defense. The defense play hard minutes all night long, and they're not good enough to justify that, right? Like, um, you know, like their their best defenseman is is pro- probably Josh Morrissey, but he's terrible when he's not playing with Jacob Truba, and they don't have him anymore. So, like, they got to figure out something, right? They got to they got to find him a, a guy to play with. Forbert and Pionk are okay as a second pairing, but if your first pairing's not very good, then then okay doesn't cut it for the second pairing. Like the second pairing should be as good as the first pairing, and uh, they are, but that's a bad thing in this scenario, right? Like, um, yeah, they they need to use that cap space on it on a D man, and it's 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 getting desperate, and I don't know who the answer is going to be, but yeah. I mean, if you trade a winger and sign Taylor Hall, you know, now, you, now you're, you're talking. But You're taking a big piece off your roster. That blame. Like, like, I hate to say it, but unless yeah. you're trading away Blake Wheeler, you don't really want to move any of those other guys. Who's not getting you. Like, everybody knows he's he's pretty cooked by now, right? Like, it's, um, you know, I, I have a theory that I think he's maybe playing through an injury uh, all season. Because even last year, he wasn't, phenomenal phenomenal but he was way better than this you know he seems to have fallen off a cliff over the course of four months and you don't usually see it to that degree so i I don't know if he's hurt or what but um yeah you're not trading him for anything super valuable so who are you trading connor or ehlers like i guess if you have to but then you're back where you started up front and you need another top six winger Worth I don't know. Mentioning too, I, I, I guess, guess uh, Adam Adam Lowry signs the extension uh, yeah. a couple days ago. Yeah, uh, what was it five years, fifteen ish million, something yeah, like that. Yeah, three three and change per year. Yeah, and like that's another guy. Like I hate to say it, like I, I'm a big fan. I love the dude, but by the time that contract's coming to a close, three point two, not a bad hit. But where's mm-hmm. the body at? He he plays that heavy style right up front and. Uh, I like it in the yeah. short term, but we'll see how it looks by the time he's 35 uh, years old. The only real thing that I, I really like about it is just it's roughly the same hit that he was at. Like, that was the thing. I, I saw the contract, and I'm like, holy fuck, that's rich. And then I looked at it, and I'm like, well, that's that's like a couple hundred thousand more than what they were already paying him. So, I, I mean, yeah. like, that's that's not terrible. At least it doesn't affect your cap. Um, and, and Adam Lowry has been a really like an ideal uh, third-line center at points of his career. But uh, it's been about a year and a half now since he's been like a, an analytical darling like he used to be. And uh, on a team that is very terrible analytically, that kind of worries me because um, he was kind of their bright spot. Even when they were really good a few years ago, like they only had a couple good analytic lines, and Adam Lowry was one of them. And uh, if he's not doing that for you now, it, it, it kind of worries me. So... I think there's a good chance he can get back to that. I mean, I like his skill set. He's a very unique player in the league right now, and um, I hope it goes well. But I, I don't, I don't uh, really like the deal. Eight, eighteen, just just north of eighteen million coming off the books this this summer. So, I mean, right, he resigned gotta... Stasny. They'll resign Stasny. Think so? I, I think, yeah, but it's yeah. not going to be. It'll be two million, probably, maybe three. So no matter, but no matter what. You know, I don't think they re-sign him over three, so it's going to be three and a half coming off there. Uh, I I think they'll re-sign Matthew Perot too, but I think I think it's going to be pretty cheap, like 
again, another year or two at one plus. So that's mm. should be 3 million that they're saving. Uh, they'll obviously re-sign cop. They have to, but it's going to, I don't know. It's probably going to be three to 4 million at least. Um, but yeah, it gets good, good season this year. Yeah. Well, it gets interesting with Pionk. Like I think Pionk's kind of the big one where, yeah, he true. he has numbers to support that he is a a borderline and, elite offensive defenseman, and he knows and they he's need him. not bad defensively. So yeah. you were gonna say he 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 knows they need him, right? Like, yeah, you're Neil Pionk, and you're in that boardroom sitting there with Kevin Shevelday off. You're going like, okay, if I if I don't sign with you guys, uh, you know, you take you take the three million you're paying me last year. Who are you getting for three million dollars? You know, I'm I'm sitting here saying double the salary. Uh, well, you don't have many options. I, I, you know, that's he he could play hardball. Yeah, I don't I don't really take him as that type, but he might. Um, you know, His agent like might be. <laughs> well, and that, yeah, exactly. I mean, like the Jets have Kevin Shevelday has done something very smart here too, where if you look at the the uh, the makeup of their roster. Like they, they have a lot of guys who uh, grew up playing in similar systems to each other that grew up uh, that basically grew up knowing each other and he's, he's got a lot of American guys. a lot of them played at the same universe like uh, like there's just a lot of uh, uh, degree uh, very few degrees of separation between a lot of this core. And so like what I like about Neil Pionk going back to that is that Neil Pionk did go to school in Duluth and has kind of been situated in that sort of area for a long time. So I, I think that, you know, he likes the idea of, of being in Winnipeg and I, I think he wants to be there. So, you know, that, that is a helpful thing at least is, uh, I mean, they have RFA rights on them. So, I mean, if it gets a little tough, then, then they have kind of the last say, but I do think he wants to be there. I think they'll, they'll find a way to make it work, but, yeah, the Jets will be interesting. I don't. Uh, their cap situation is a lot better than I think uh, they get credit for. Like every time I'm watching Hockey Night in Canada, they get um, you know there's some sort of a remark about how uh, you know they're they're uh, they're in trouble or something like that cap wise. And um, like I just I don't really see that as being the case. You know, I, I think they've got a decent amount of flexibility there. You you could have made that case coming into the season, you know, but I think at the end of this year, regardless of how it ends, um, the the bad contracts by all accounts are coming yeah. off the books. Maybe say aside from Wheeler, but like you're getting Shifley at a bargain, you're getting Wheelers well, at what I would consider like, right now a bargain. After this year, what's their worst contract? Like other than Wheeler, is it Morrissey? Like and that and he's fine. Like it's you know it's. Six million, I'd pay him maybe four right now. Yeah. But if you put him with the right guy, he's proven that he's worth six million dollars. So I don't know. Like they they really don't have anything where I look at it and I'm like, fuck that you know, that's a bit of an anchor, right? Like like Perot's deal has been that for a while. Um but I don't know. Like I, I think they've done a pretty decent job in managing it. Even the line A money comes off this year, so right. Hard to say. Yeah. Uh, this this has been landing strip, a, a Jets podcast talk. Mm. Landing strip is that a good? Maybe not not the best title. Yeah, that. I always thought the 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 Winnipeg doesn't have an airport Twitter jokes uh, super ironic, considering they're called the Jets. You ever think about that? I've always I've always found those kind of funny. 
Well, it's because you dream about what you can't have, right? That's yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That's true. Seattle doesn't actually have a kraken. Wrong ocean, actually. Yeah. Um. Speaking of hard things to cross, uh, Patrick Marlowe <laughs> is about okay. to cross one of the biggest uh, uh, mm. milestones in, in in hockey history as he. Uh, last night tied the record for games played in the NHL with uh, a, a guy by the name of, uh, uh, I think it's Gordon Howe. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he was big back in the 40s, I'm told. Um, Patrick Marlowe plays his 1,740, uh, no, 1,766th game. Sorry, uh, my math is a little off. Um, to tie the record. Um if you were to go back even five years ago Mm -hmm. and tell somebody that the Gordie Howe games played record would be in jeopardy. I I don't, I don't care what the name of the player is. (laughs) Like for me, there was like, it was, it was uh, Gretzky's points and, um, you know, like uh, what was the the Keon's points in a game, and Gordy Howe's um, games played, and they were like never to be touched. You'll you'll never get close. The guy played till he was seventy five years old, and we're sitting here talking about the fact that one of the untouchables is is being touched. Yeah, shocking, or. Am I making more of a deal? No, no, you're you're probably right. I mean, I think one thing that's sort of bizarre is just as the game's gotten harder to harder to play and harder to last long, that in the last ten years we've seen three guys insert themselves into the top six of all time games played. Like that, that's the weird part for me. It's just the fact that because because you're right. Like if you told me five years ago that uh, that Patrick Marlowe would, I mean let's be honest, is going to break the record. Um, you know, I, I think the more surprising part for me would have just been like, yeah, like if he plays that amount of games for sure. But what are the chances Patrick Marlowe's still in the league in five years? And he was still good, but it was just like, you know, it, it takes a summer to ruin a player. And so I would have taken the bet even as good and, and as in shape as Patrick Marlowe's always been. Uh, you know, like all it all it would have taken was for his leg to bend the wrong way, and he doesn't make it to this number, and somehow he's found a way to get there. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 shocking. I think if you would have told me ten years ago, ten years ago, uh, that Patrick Marlowe would be the all time leader in games played, that would have thrown me more than anything. Because um, if anyone was going to break it, like Joe Thornton, uh, Yarmer Yager, who's a hundred you know. games behind him. Even Chara, I would have been like, maybe, you know. Yeah. Like, but, uh, well, and that's the thing. Like, Thornton for sure would have the record if he were able to stay healthy. But he, he, he never was able to. He'd be better now probably than he is and probably would have another year in him where I don't think Thornton does. So there's a good chance that this would have been Thornton's record. Uh, you look at everything Yager uh, went through too. Like Yager, by all accounts, should have probably broken this record too, because he missed uh, two years with lockouts and 
he left for three years or whatever, however long it was too, right? Like he just went back to Europe and didn't play in the NHL for a while. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's both surprising and not surprising, I guess. Yeah, four. Well, not kind of the lockout year for uh, three years in the in the KHL, um, and another in the Czech league for Yager. Like that's. Yager is going to be one of those all-time what-ifs for me uh, in terms of guys that if, if he would have played a whole career with no lockouts and didn't choose to go overseas, oh, yeah. he's probably got the he, – he might have the points record, which well, <laughs> to is, is one of the all-time unbreakables for me. And He, he would be – he'd be, he'd be over 2,000 points. The big one for yeah. me for Yager is how many more goals would he have. That's true. And, yeah. like, does he break Gretzky's record? Three years in his prime, even in the dead puck era, like yeah, he probably gets twenty goals each of those years. So seven sixty six plus uh, one twenty puts him awfully close to the record, and you know, um, yeah, get rid of yeah, a I couple lockouts. He's coming off. That, he's, come off he, he's got that hundred twenty three point season the year after the lockout. What's he put up in that lockout year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> even half it, and he's got yeah. twenty five goals. So. Yeah, he was a, he was a huge benefit of the NHL looking at the rules and being like, uh, "This game is terrible. Like, we need to we need to fix some things." And and then uh, Yager's like, "Okay, yeah, I I could get behind that." And comes back from the lockout and destroys everybody on a nightly basis. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, here's one for you though. So so Patrick Marl obviously is going to set the record. Joe Thornton, we've talked about. Uh, he's second actively in points, and then you got Zdeno Chara, the big man uh, back there, who's uh, two away from sixteen hundred. Uh, who do you who who would you say off the top of your head is, is sitting fourth in in terms of active games played? Fourth, you say? Eh? Mm-hmm. I'll go because uh, it's got to be like thirteen something. Eh? I'll go Spezza. Okay. It's a pretty good guess, honestly. It was um, it's Spezza or Getzlaff for me. Okay. Uh, would you believe it if I told you uh, I was looking for uh, Eric Stahl, who just moved into wow. 71st all-time? No. 1280, tied with Gene Rattel and James Patrick. That doesn't sound right. Right? I feel like, Spezza, I feel like Stahl's always hurt. <laughs> right? Didn't he get hurt You're a lot? Not wrong. Um, I think he got hurt no, a lot. He? Maybe he just Maybe. had one bad injury once, and I just remember him as always being hurt. But how's he doing in Montreal? By the way, I know he scored one his goal. first game. I don't know. One goal in seven games, minus seven. Oh boy! Well, yeah. <laughs> Here's everything you need to know, folks. I type in Eric Stahl on Google, and the first hit that comes up is an article: Montreal Canadiens colon. Does Eric Stahl deserve a spot in the lineup? We did it, baby. Seven games. We got there, there baby. Let's do it. Uh, for the record, Eric Stahl has missed one game uh, since 2016. However, in 2016, uh, because of the trade, he played 83 games. Mm. So he's he's even. He's even for the course. Yeah, noted New York Ranger Eric Stahl. Mm, good times. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Patrick Marlowe, obviously, he's going he's gonna to break the record. Hall of Famer, I assume, because because of that fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to when you have a record like that. You got to put him in. Like, 
if Marlowe played a hundred less games, would I put him in the Hall of Fame? No, but uh, he he play he's played enough games that he's played more than everyone. Uh, the crazy uh, did you see that stat today that uh, Patrick Marlowe has appeared in a game with or against thirty seven percent of the players who have ever played in the NHL? Nope. Like thirty seven percent of of the entire history of the NHL has a pl- has played in a game with or against Patrick Marlowe. Hmm. Cr- crazy. I don't even that's, know how it's possible. That is pretty nuts. Like I would like to know the percentage on a guy like Chris Chelios who had a longer career. Yeah. Or or even already how, right? Like I'm, the I think part of it too is like if you really think back to back then, there was a lot less recycling of players. Like I think it was a lot more common for guys to just play. Yeah, it was more common for like shitty guys to just play 800, 900 games because it was like, well, you put up 78 points in 82, and I know it's 1996, but maybe he'll do it again. And then you fucking put him on the Hartford Whalers for no reason. And it's like, all right, this guy sucks. You know, and it was easy for shitty guys to. Oh yeah, I don't know. I, I well, it was easier to play. Is what I'm saying. It's what I'm. It's exactly what I'm saying. I don't need to pussyfoot around that. So, um, yeah, like it might have something to do with that. And just nowadays, we recycle more and more players because of injuries and because some of them are bad. Like I, I, I don't know. It seems like it might be a thing. I mean, like really, when you break down the numbers, like Patrick Marlowe's played in, like what what does the percentage work out to be? Like thirty percent of the NHL seasons. As well, though, not maybe not thirty percent, like twenty five percent or so. It's right? it's probably around twenty percent because it's twenty three years, and the NHL's been around for a hundred and five, so twenty percent. Okay, yeah. So yeah, you know, it checks out. Like more when you think about it that ever, way, more teams like, now than ever. Yeah. yeah, more. That's another thing too, right? Like, uh, there's uh, there's definitely more teams now than there ever has been. I don't know if yeah. uh, people know that, so. Next on the list for Patrick Marlowe will be the 1,200 point mark. Uh, he's at 1196 as it stands. He sh- hopefully will get there this year. He's not having a great season. Uh, only the eight points uh, thus far. So he's running out of time to get there. But um, if he does, he'll tie Dino Cicerelli. And uh, he will be uh, one of three guys ahead of him that aren't in the Hall of Fame at that at that mark. So, yeah. Who are the he, other two? Probably uh, Vincent Damfus at twelve oh five. Sorry, the other, the other three would be uh, Dam Damfus. Bernie, Bernie Nichols is at twelve oh nine. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, oh, I missed another one. Shit. Uh, Pierre Turgeon and Jeremy Roenick. Hmm. Everybody else is either still playing or in the Hall of Fame. Ahead of <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, definitely uh, Ovechkin's not in yet. But no, Ovi Crosby Thornton are the actives ahead of him. But uh, I mean, I know he's played a lot more games, but it is it is wild to me to look and see that Ovechkin has more career points than Crosby. It's just weird. Yeah, by like what is it five or something? It's like six points, but yeah, he's played 170 more games, but still, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Okay, we're going to talk about the playoff races now that are t- taking shape mm-hmm. in the NHL. Uh, something that I don't think either of us love to talk about. Like, it's always fun to you know, hypothesize, but uh, the NHL oh, is, the what it is and, and, and we know better than to get attached to things because they so quickly get away from us. But yeah, um, it's a short season. We were actually only looking at another 
dozen games or so for some franchises, uh, unless you're the Vancouver Canucks. But um, 19 games, baby. They're going to play them all. Uh, play them all. Meanwhile, the Arizona Coyotes have 12 to go. So, um, yeah, we're about that, like I said, 12 to 15 games away from the playoffs for all these guys. Um, it feels weird because of, of the season we're in, but this is normally when we talk about this stuff anyway, so we thought we may as well yeah. kind of address it, talk about it, um, and try to figure out uh, maybe – Maybe who's getting in, maybe who's not getting in, and then some potential playoff matchups as they stand. So uh, if you are ready, sir, I'm, I'm ready. I'm using the NHL website, and I'm going to work from the top down, uh, which begins in the Honda West division. Ah, the Honda West. The Honda West. Uh, you got the Colorado Avalanche sitting uh, comfortably. Well, I shouldn't say comfortably, but they're, nope. they're looking <laughs> real good. Yeah, they're, they're looking real good. I wouldn't year. worry about it too much is uh, basically right. the, the diagnosis there. Uh, they're sitting in first with 64 points at the golden Knights, um, two points behind them on a five game heater. So they're, they're closing the gap. Uh, then you got a bit of a break. You got the Minnesota wild sitting in third with 55 points, the coyotes in fourth with 45, the blues in fifth with 44. And then I'll, I'll cut it off and I'll say the sharks at, at six with 40, the Kings and ducks. I would, I would say are out at this point. Mm. Um, Bold. So let's go ahead and pencil in Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota as one, two, threes. That that sounds fair. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about in the order that they're in, but uh, for sure, those will be the three. Okay, so let, let's let's get it out of the way here first. Who gets that fourth spot in the West between Arizona, St. Louis, and uh, San Jose? The the Blues and the Sharks both have two games in hand over the Coyotes, uh, but are on the outside looking in. Yeah. Talk about backing your way into the playoffs. Hey, um, fuck. Like it, it, it has to be St. Louis, right? It's tough to say. Like they don't have a very good schedule the rest of the year. I know that like they've played the, the ducks and Kings. Um, like I think they're almost done playing them, which doesn't help. Like they've got uh, at the time we're recording the podcast, they've got Colorado, Colorado, Minnesota, 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 uh, Minnesota, Anaheim, Anaheim, Vegas, Vegas, L.A., Minnesota. That's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would have to think it's going to be. Uh, oh, there was one more against Colorado that's postponed. They don't have a makeup date yet. So. I don't. I don't know. Like I, I'm probably taking St. Louis, but uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith in them. It's just it's hard for me to make sense of it being San Jose or or Arizona. Like I just can't explain how that would happen over a team like St. Louis. I just don't get it. As it stands currently, the Wild up five one over the Sharks. So um, you'd never Fuck. want to put the nail in the coffin until it's time, but. Uh, San Jose is running out of a lot of runway here. They're already five points back. They're going to lose one of those games in hand uh, that they do have over the uh, Coyotes. So, yeah, they're they're real close to, I would say, falling off the uh, five in a row now. They would have lost uh, after this uh, San Jose against Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. So I almost picked up uh, Capo Kakonen tonight in fantasy playoffs. 
Uh, but I thought right. the Sharks were going to absolutely blow them out, considering it was one of Patrick Marlowe's big nights. Mm. Should have known better than to, to be. than to have faith in San Jose. Yeah, um, it's my fault, really. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the the tide a little bit, I guess. I'll I'll, I'll say that the Coyotes stay where they are, just based on the difficulty of the Blues' schedule. Yeah, I think the Coyotes might be able to just you know maybe not play better than the Blues down the stretch, but just keep their head above water. Yeah, I will say this: uh, if you're if you're wondering, if you're not a big analytics person, but you are kind of curious, Arizona and uh, St. Louis are almost identical analytic teams um, in a bad way. They're they're neither of them are very good. Um, so so that's interesting. I I, I very much think this is going to be who loses less, not who wins more. Uh, and it's fine if you take Arizona. I, again, I can't really explain why. Uh, this is a this is a discussion. It shouldn't be a discussion. St. Louis should be way better, but they're not for some reason. So the uh, Dom Lecision uh, playoff projected uh, uh, rankings have the Blues ahead of the Coyotes uh, at this point at sixty seven percent to make the playoffs, where the Coyotes are down to twenty one percent. There was some model. I thought it was Dom's, but I guess it wasn't. There was some model that, like a week ago, was giving the Blues a seven percent chance of making the playoffs, which I thought was super fucking wow. funny, considering they're like right in the heart of the race. It's like, what what dirt do you possibly have on this team analytically to be like, yeah, oh yeah, they're they're fried, man. The games in hand, they're like one point back. It's like it's very conceivable they make it, but yeah, I thought it was funny. I, I thought it was Dom's model, but I guess not. So. You like the Blues. Dom likes the Blues. Let's let's work with that, and and real quick, let's take a look at what would be the matchups at that point. You got the Avs and the Blues, Ooh. which I I think we all know how that would end. Um, and then you've got uh, with the Wild potentially, you know, like I said, five one. I, I assume they're going to win. Uh, they'll be uh, five points back of the Golden Knights. Um, you got Vegas and Minnesota. And, and that one intrigues me as, as yeah. much as I like Vegas. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, I know. There's something about them. <laughs> I I know. There's no good reason to to say it. It just that one yeah. just that one just smells like an upset. I just don't know what it yeah. is about it. It just smells like a Vegas is just too good, and Minnesota is inexplicably good. Like I to this day. I watch them, and I can't fucking explain why they are as good as they are, but they are. So, I don't know. They, they could mm-hmm. beat Vegas. Mm-hmm. They, the interesting hey, they, thing... They beaten Colorado this year a couple times, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, too. Uh, the, the interesting thing is, like, when you talk about Colorado versus Arizona, or, sorry, Colorado versus either Arizona or St. Louis, like, St. Louis probably stands a better chance there than Arizona does, because... I don't know uh, if anyone watched the bubble last year or if anyone listening has watched any of the Arizona Coyotes games uh, when they play the Colorado Avalanche. I can't remember the last time I saw a team get manhandled as consistently as Arizona does when they play Colorado. Like the score, the score is every time it's like six, nothing. And the shots are like 78 to three. Like it's not fucking close. Every time they play, it is an absolute bloodbath, and it's it's hilarious. It's just I don't know. They they can't figure them out. It's probably because Arizona's not very good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Colorado, 
obviously I think takes that matchup in a, yeah. in a handedly uh, cakewalk type of fashion. You still uh, think they beat the Blues, eh? Like you don't see the Blues having any more life? The I hate to say it because I know it makes zero sense and I sound like a 65-year-old yelling at the television screen, but the the Blues, like if they get in, they do have that playoff aura. No, they've got that. They just want a Stanley Cup, so like you're not. Yeah, it's not like most of the guys are still there, so it's not unfair to say that. And they just got Tarasenko back, which I I, I do wonder how much is going to help uh, moving forward. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Colorado's just too good. At least, at least to you know, I think the only way that they fall is if it's Vegas in the second round. And if Minnesota upsets Vegas, I, I don't see them getting by Colorado. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't see St. Louis doing it. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's hard to say what the hell is really wrong with them. Like the one thing that I thought was that, uh, cause Colton Pareko missed, you know, two months and, uh, without Petrangelo, like Pareko is the heart and soul of that back end. Right. And, um, I thought that that might have something to do with it, but um, like they're three and three since he's been back. And one of those was they got absolutely torn apart by the Golden Knights. So um, I, I don't, I don't really know what to make of them. I mean, even Pareko's ice time is still down from what it should be since he's been back too. So how healthy is he really? And yeah, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't look good about him, but you're right. There is something, there's still something there for St. Louis. It is worth noting that Colorado is about as good as a fucking team possibly could be. So, you know, yeah, and and like that's that's the other thing too. Is it is it going to come back to the norm at some point? Like, are they are they perhaps too good? Are they playing above where they really are? I don't. I, I'm not saying that, but yeah, I I would uh, I would definitely hear that argument if they didn't have Nathan McKinnon and the defense that they have. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, they do have that defense and Nathan McKinnon. Hopefully, the goaltending uh, holds strong. This yeah, I don't love that uh, run than last year's. Don't love the goaltending, but mm. we'll see. Uh, the Discover Central Division, and you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. Um, here we go. In order, no, it'd be the Mass Mute. No, I got the Mass Mute next. I have in on the NHL standings upside. I have Honda first and Discover Central second. Oh, weird! Why do we have different versions of the I, same website? That's that cool. Is wild, actually. Okay, well, whatever. Yeah, no. Let's let's discover the Central. Let's discover the COVID Central. Um, you, yeah, you're not going to believe this. The Carolina Hurricanes sitting in first with 62 points. That's that's fine. That's not the unbelievable part. The unbelievable part is that the Florida Panthers are in second with 61, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are all the way down to not having a home ice advantage in the playoffs in third place with 60 points. Um, Obviously not a big separation here, and they have a game in hand on Florida. Hurricanes have a game in hand on Tampa, so it's going to be tight, but just I don't think anybody could have foreseen Tampa Bay finishing anywhere but first or second in this division uh, this this year, so... Uh, keep an eye on that one because I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it could be interesting. Um, those are your big three. I think I think you can go ahead and and probably lock those guys in. A hey, 60, 61, 62, That's that's pretty safe because after that you got yeah, a big know. old drop. I was going to say, have you seen the rest of the division? I think they're fine. Yeah, 
a big old drop off and you've got Nashville, Chicago, Dallas, all within five points of each other. And then Columbus and Detroit are at the bottom. I'll, I'll, you know, out of respect, I'll take them out back and, and put the bullet in the, in the dog. Who, who are you putting teams. the bullet in? The Blue Jackets and the Red Wings. Blue Jackets and the Red Wings. Okay. Yeah. I think you could have made a case for the Blue Jackets even a week ago, but uh, they clearly sold at the deadline and, and they haven't done much since then. So. Yeah, they're they're toast. Yeah. Shocking. Um, Nashville 49, Chicago 47, Dallas 44. And Dallas has uh, four games in hand on the Preds. <laughs> Um, however, it doesn't sound like they're getting Ben Bishop back, who uh, is going to be out the rest of the year. They're not getting Alexander Radulov back, who's done for the rest of the year. Uh, they still don't have Sagan quite yet. So they're, they got games in hand, but they're running out of reinforcements and they're running out of time, uh, so to speak, to, to make up ground. Uh, they did win tonight, so that's a good step in the right direction. However, so did the Blackhawks. So, um, where i guess obviously let's start with the big race at the top here um is it too close to tell or or do you have a feeling as to how those three are going to shake out um well i mean the thing for tampa is how how much do they really care about who they're playing in the playoffs like from a from an organizational standpoint because um i'll tell you what i'll tell you what they can de- decide their own fate based on how much they do or don't want to play Andre Vasilevsky. Because if they play him most of the rest of the season, they're going to win most of those games. But if they decide to play Curtis McElhaney or any of their other uh, uh, people with pads, uh, it's not going to go so hot. And uh, I don't know how much of that is... I don't know how much of that is... Um, these other goalies being horrible or Andre Vasilevsky being that good. I mean, Tampa's Tampa's good, but like analytically, they are also not as good as, as Florida or Carolina. Like they, they genuinely might be the third best team in the, in the division. And I'm not, again, I wouldn't bet on it but there's nothing set in stone with Kucherov and Stamkos coming back and lighting the world on fire. It probably will at least Stamkos, but I don't know about Kucherov. He just had his fucking hip operated on. Like, I don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back. So like, I don't, I'm not overly confident in Tampa Bay this year. I I really wouldn't be shocked uh, to see Carolina or Florida be the teams coming out of the division. And having said that, I wouldn't be shocked to see either of them win the division. I, I think Carolina is going to hang on to it. Um, I, the, the big one for me is whether or not Tampa gets that home ice advantage. Now, if they're playing against Florida, um, isn't that still home ice advantage really at the end of the day? Um, but Florida's Florida, yeah, Florida, Florida is, it's all the same, really. Right. There's Florida no diff- man does this Florida man does that. It's all hey, the same guy. really. For me, Florida is the same as how Americans view Canada. Like Toronto's just Canada. Vancouver's just yeah. Canada. You know what I mean? There aren't provinces and and sit difference and all that shit. Yeah. Florida's like that to me. Florida's just one big state that looks like a looks like a penis, kind of. That's all they really are. That's all they got. Where it gets interesting from from my perspective is if if you know, like I said, if Carolina hangs on to first, 
like I think they will. Um, then you like like I said, you've got Florida. If they can get home ice advantage, and I, I say that in the in the sense of meaning, if Joel Quenville has last change, I I start to wonder because mm-hmm. I love John Cooper. I, I think he's probably the best coach. He's, he's in that one, two, three category for me. But there's there's just something crafty about old Joel. And yeah, he, he twirls that mustache the right way. And, and I, I could see them squeaking out a, a, a close series against the Lightning, especially if they're not back up to full strength with uh, with Stamkos and, and Kucherov. Yeah, I, um, I, I really like John Cooper and I, I think he's overcome this. But I mean, you can't have a conversation about Tampa Bay involving the playoffs without mentioning the fact that um, it was not long ago when John Cooper was kind of on the hot seat uh, because of poor, poor, poor lineup decisions in the playoffs. Uh, having the three lines that they had and playing Cedric Paquette 16 minutes a night, and Dan Girardi 22 minutes a night, and it's like, what the fuck are we watching here? And then like, yeah, of course Washington beat you in the conference final. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Um, so yeah, like John John Cooper for for every bit of as good of a coach as he seems to be, uh, I think I think more of his contributions are from a tactical and motivational side. Because I think uh, when it comes to his lineup management, he he is not good, and Joel Quenville is pretty good. So I could easily see Tampa getting out coached there. I mean, that's an intriguing matchup. If it's Florida Tampa Bay, uh, if it's Florida Tampa Bay, look, I have a lot of faith in Florida. I, I can't believe I'm saying it. I I I genuinely think uh, Florida is very very good, and I I hate saying it because I I don't care for them that much, but. It's like, I, I, I'm just kind of excited for the idea that we've never had a battle of Florida and even saying that out loud sounds ridiculous, but like, this is, this is a, an area of, of the United States where I've long said only deserves one NHL team and and Tampa (laughs) has for so long held on to that and taken the reins and won the cups and, you know, had the star players and all this and, florida like bless their souls like i it's not the player's fault right but they've just kind of been there and no one goes and watches the games and the owner doesn't give a shit and like good for them for having a season like this because i think they have a lot of talent there i like the coaching i like the goaltending uh if they can get past the fact that they lost the you know aaron ekblad in the back end which it seems like they're you know getting by without uh you're right like there's a lot to like here from you know, uh, an on ice product. But if, if this is what maybe gets a lot of interest going in the franchise and they can no longer be the laughing stock of the league, that's fantastic. I, I, I want to see franchises yeah. succeed. It's annoying when they don't. And the only reason we talk about moving them out of Florida is because it hasn't worked in, you know, 30 years. So, um, yeah, if this is what, ta- if this is what it takes a, a Florida versus Tampa Bay matchup, to get them, you know, recognized and, 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 and newsworthy, then by all means, I'm, I'm here for it. So and look, if, win. if I'm going to watch empty seats in, in the playoffs, I'd rather it be during the year where every team has empty seats during the playoffs. Am I right? There you go. Am I right, folks? Because if you uh, like, I've watched Panthers games and you want to know why? Because I use, I've said before, 
I used to avoid watching them because I don't like watching empty seats on TV. And now I watch their games because that's the fullest rink. That's the if I want to see a fan atmosphere, that's one of the fucking best teams in the league to watch this year. So it's like, all right, I guess I'll watch it. Well, they're well, showing a bunch of the league. They're showing a bunch of twenty-two-year-olds drunk off their ass eating nachos, like their masks half hanging off their face. I'm like, this is great. I love it. So it sounds like we kind of agree that Florida and Tampa are going to clash in the first round in some form, whether whoever finishes two-three there. Yeah, the I, question... I, I honestly, I. It's just it's hard with the two games in hand for me to say that Florida is going to win that division, but I wouldn't be shocked if Florida won that division. I I put it this way: I don't think Tampa is going to win the division. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, that kind of you know, short of like you said, Florida catching and passing the Hurricanes. That that brings us to who do they get? Who do the Hurricanes get to play in the first round between Nashville, Chicago, and as I hit the refresh button. The Dallas Stars will be closing within a point of the fifth place Blackhawks uh, with two games in hand. Um, I, I would put the money on Dallas, but they mm. they have the longest road to go. Mm-hmm. I'll go. I'm going Nashville for the simple fact that they have the easiest schedule out of the three. Yeah, three possible sure. teams. Um, I I don't have any faith in the stars at this point, to be honest with you. I just uh, I just don't. I don't. I didn't think they were all that great uh, last year, and I certainly don't think they're all that great this year when they have a when they have less of an arsenal than what they had last year. Um, they have a nice week coming up in theory because they play the Red Wings four times, I think it is. But then the rest of their schedule is just Tampa Bay and. Carolina and Florida, basically, and or, and a little bit of Nashville. I don't like that really for Dallas. I, I I just I don't think they're all that good. I mean, the funny thing with Dallas too, right? Is you talk about them like they're you said they're going to win tonight. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like the two teams they're chasing have been setting the world on fire. Dallas has won seventeen of forty three games this year. Like they fucking suck. <laughs> like they suck. Sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm taking Nashville. I think Nashville's fine. I, they're not they're not great but they've been the best of the three i think and i think they'll 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 ride it out and any hope for the blackhawks uh maybe uh not not for me <laughs> they don't i don't think they have a very good schedule either i can't remember exactly how it lines up but uh like i think chicago plays nashville a lot and i just i think nashville's the better team and mm-hmm. um you know yeah three games this week against each other uh, like all the chips on the line, I I think uh, I think Nashville takes it. So I'm going I'm going Preds. Dom's got Nashville by a point over the Stars at the end of the season. So okay. yeah, I could see that. Might, might be a race, but uh, he likes Nashville as well. Uh, the Mass Mutual East Division. Uh, the Mutual. This this is wow. This is an interesting one. You got the Washington Capitals still sitting in first with 62 points. The Pens in second with 59. Islanders on their heels with 58. And the Boston Bruins hold down that final spot, with 54 points. Uh, then you got the Rangers with 50. Um, and mercilessly, I, I will put the Flyers in the conversation with 46, although I mm. I think it's too little too late, as the mm. bare naked ladies like to say. Mm. Um, uh, those those top three, I, I don't even want to try to guess, honestly. Like Washington, Pittsburgh, Islanders, you know, 
whoever wins it, good for them because they get potentially the easier matchup. But uh, once you get to Pittsburgh and, and, and New York, then it's a crapshoot. So um, for me, it's it's too close to call. I'm not even going to put my predictions down here on this one because I don't necessarily believe in Washington, but they're still holding down the spot. Sure. I had Washington winning the division, so I'll, I'll stick with that, uh, even though I don't necessarily believe myself at this point. Um, I had Pittsburgh in seventh and the Islanders in sixth, so I had a real good grasp on this division, as you can tell. Um, I will go Pittsburgh in second and I think it'll finish how it is, I guess. Islanders in third, Bruins in fourth. Um, the Rangers, the Rangers, I wouldn't say are out of it. It doesn't look great, but the Rangers, there are some things to like about them this year. So, um, is it entirely possible that they make it? Sure, but I mean, even the, like the Islanders are the team that kind of seems to be in a, in free fall out of those four, and yeah. they have eight points on the Rangers. So, like. How how do they lose that much ground? Like unless they play each other four times, and the Rangers win all four of those games, then you know what I mean. It's going to be hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah the the Bruins have a pretty easy schedule. They got the Buffalo Sabers a few more times. Yeah, down the stretch. Uh, the Rangers' big problem is that you know they they've won three in a row, but so is the team that they're chasing, right? So they haven't been able to make up any ground. Um. I think it's a big step forward for them. The fact that they've, you know, finished ahead of the flyer or well, looks like they're going to finish ahead of the flyers. Um, yeah, that, that's a so. step. I think going into regular divisions again, next season, I think this is a, a, a good, I think this is a good season for the Rangers because they, they get all this tough competition um, and they show them that they can hang with it. And then next year they're going to go into a situation where they're going to have an, an easier division by all accounts and yeah they should they should be making the playoffs i would i would imagine in 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 those circumstances so i mean if even um, even if the divisions are the same right the rangers are going to go into next season and out of every team in that division they have like for sure the best young core so at some point some of those teams are going to take a step back and um you know who's to say it's it's not next year like maybe the rangers come out and win the division next year i I wouldn't mm -hmm. bet money on it uh, necessarily, but so uh, potential matchups here. They get a who's who. Um, obviously, if anybody can get up ahead of Washington, uh, say like the Islanders, then you're talking Sid Novi maybe in the first round. Uh, you've got Pittsburgh and the Islanders who have a storied history in terms of playoff matchups. Uh, you got Boston versus Washington, the Zdeno Chara arc. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with any possible matchup out of those four teams. No, uh, as they stand. No. Um, yeah, like I said, I think it would. Uh, it, it's going to finish how it is. So I think I think Washington Boston would be a pretty fun matchup for obvious reasons. I'd be very curious to see that. But Pittsburgh Islanders would be an intriguing one, right? Because like under. If you were to ask me a week and a half ago, like I would take the Islanders for sure. But mm -hmm. the Islanders have scored like seven goals in five games, I think is the number since uh, since the Kyle Palmieri, Travis Zajac trade. 
So, you know, this is a team that already uh, not exactly lighting the world on fire when it comes to their offense. And now, now they have that to deal with. So the uh, only division in uh, Dom's model that does not have a team at a hundred percent to make the playoffs. Uh, he's got the Penguins finishing in first uh, tied with the Bruins with 74 points. Uh, Ooh. The Islanders and Capitals both tied with 73. Spicy. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It, it will not work out that way, but that's how the model works. You know, sometimes it's, it's uh... these teams are all pretty similar analytically. Like they're all mid pack. And I mean, part of that is because, they all play each other, right? So if every game's even, then your numbers are going to be average and they're all like mid-pack in the league, except for the Islanders, right? The Islanders are the one team that are, that are they're like sixth in the league in expected goals, which is not something I thought we would ever say about the New York Islanders. But like like I've said before on the podcast, they've actually been good this year. Like they're, they're playing good hockey. They're actually generating chances. They're not just bleeding the life out of the game kind of thing. So if they can get back to where they were, which I assume they will, they're a threatening team, you know? Yeah. Uh, that brings us to the Scotia division, the Scotia North. Um, mm-hmm. You've got the Toronto Maple Leafs in first place with 60 points, a game in hand over the second place Jets, three points back at 57. Three back of them is the Edmonton Oilers, although they do have a, a pair of games in hand on the Jets. And then you've got the Montreal Canadiens in fourth, the Calgary Flames in fifth, and if I'm going to include Calgary, which we were just not that long ago talking about, I think you actually have to talk about the Vancouver Canucks because sure. they've got so many games in hand. Sure. Um, and they're closer to Montreal than Calgary is uh, statistically. So uh, let's, let's throw them in there as a kind of a, a mercy. Sorry, you guys got COVID type of way. Um Let's, let's get, let's get the big stuff out of the way here first. Uh, the, is there any way the Leafs give up that number one mantle to the Jets? Mm, I mean, it's the Leafs. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's plenty of ways, really. But, uh, no, it's not going to happen. I um, There's a lot to like about the Leafs, I think. And uh, it's going to be curious to see uh, I'm curious to see how things look for them down the stretch. Um, you know, at some point here, there are a few things that they need to get hammered out uh, and, and quite quickly. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what goes on for them. Yeah. Um, they did lose to the Jets in their last game. However, uh, they were without Austin Matthews. They were without William Nylander. Yeah. Um, it was pretty and, evident. Yeah. I think that was the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, I, I am a Leaf fan, so I will make all the excuses, but no, I, think, that... I think they're warranted. Yeah. <laughs> You're making a lot of good points, James. Yeah. Uh, so that would that would line up a Winnipeg-Edmonton uh, first-round matchup, which, look, if any of you uh, still remember the old Smythe division days, uh, you, no. you might not like it as a Jets fan. <laughs> uh, historically, the Edmonton Oilers have taken it to Winnipeg in the playoffs, uh, but it's a new century. It's the battle a, it's a of Bob Essence franchise technically. So um, I, I think that is pretty much open and closed as far as 
who I think is going to come out on top. It, it, it would be Winnipeg, in, in my opinion. I don't really see how the Oilers – like, look, Connor McDavid will sometimes do Connor McDavid things, and mm-hmm. you can't account for them, and you can't stop them half the time. So I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk or, you know, even a, you know an automatic win, but I, I just like the makeup of the Jets as a, a top-to-bottom team in, in favor of the, the, the Oilers. Yeah, in a seven-game series, like, do I think that the Oilers' uh, top-end talent is is that much better than the than the Jets' top-end talent? Like, not necessarily, really. So, uh, like, Connor McDavid's shown that he's human. You can shut him down. It's super not. It's not that easy, but it, it's it can be done. And uh, whose third line do I like better? Well, the Jets for sure. So, it might be one of those things where. Adam Lowry helps win them the series because he's either playing against McDavid and doing a good job or that matchup doesn't work. And then he just plays against the Oilers crappy third line. And then he, and in theory, the Jets third line should go to work there. So uh, I would take the Jets. I, I think they, they better goaltending everything. Everything about them is better other than they don't have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I guess we should mention him. He's also good. I think he plays there. Yeah. Um, he I've heard the- he won the the Hart Trophy last year, I think it was. They always talk about having this German forward, and I I thought it was Dominic Cahoon, but I guess it's Leon Dreisaitl they were talking right. about. Yeah, um, Marcel Gotch, as it were. <laughs> um, Tobias Reeder, German. They really loaded up on Germans yeah. over the years. That leaves uh, who uh, doth get the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round? Who who gets to upset the Leafs in the first round? Uh, the annual tradition. Um, will it be the Montreal Canadiens, the Calgary Flames, or the Vancouver Canucks? See, if I'm a Leafs fan, I feel real good about it being Montreal because if there's any team where bad stuff seems to happen almost equally as much as the Leafs, it's the Habs. So we can't we can't both lose the series. One of something good's got to happen to one of us, right? You're not wrong. So, um, yeah, no. In all reality, Leafs Habs, Leafs in. Six, probably, maybe less. I don't know. I'll say Leafs and six. It's it's funny how I think if if we recorded twenty four hours earlier, um, that Calgary Montreal game that hadn't that wouldn't have happened at that point um, is is so much more important because the the Flames had a real uh, genuine opportunity to move back <laughs> within two points of the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, they lose, and now they're sitting six back. Oh, and the Habs terrible. Two, point, two games in hand. Um, terrible. Oh, it, it, it is tough. The The only difference here is that you've got the Vancouver Canucks. Like I said, the, the COVID Canucks, whenever they get around to playing again, they got five games in hand on the Habs. If they run the table there somehow, they're two points out. They're two points out, and no one's talking about them as a team that that could still, like by all mathematic accounts, make the playoffs. Uh, it would take uh, a lot of luck and uh, you know a, a hell of a run by Thatcher Demko to to get them there. But yeah, look, Which, they have a better shot than Calgary, and we were all talking about Calgary a week ago. I mean, I understand your logic. But even within your argument, you know, Thatcher Demko's got to go on a hell of a run. Well, he's still on the COVID list. So yeah. uh, he, he's a guy who, of those 19 games, 
was only going to play maybe 11 of them anyway, and now it's looking like it's going to be even less. So, I gotta—I don't know. Like, if they don't have him, I mean, they might play him back to back too, right? But if, you know, I find it hard to believe that they're going to run their young goalie who they just signed to a new deal into the ground um, yeah. if he's not at 100 percent as it is. So, yeah, they're—I get—I get your point, and mathematically, yeah, it's—it's it's all there. But I just—I can't see them being much of a factor once they're back in in action. Like, it's just. This is, uh, I mean, a, a bunch of other teams had COVID and missed time and came back, and it wasn't like the end of the world for them. But mm. none of those teams, if you look at it, are, are lighting the world on fire either. So, the only other thing that I will say in favor of the Canucks is that with this that they're, pause, that they're in a race against Calgary and Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. With, with this pause, the fact that they've, they've missed this much time. And they keep kicking the can down the road in terms of when they're going to start playing games again. It's gotten Elias Pedersen that much closer to returning from his injury. And now you've gone from a scenario where maybe he's coming back with, you know, half a dozen games left in the season to, yeah, he's coming back with close to, you know, 15 games, you know, 18 games on the schedule that he might be able to participate well, it's, in. It's 19, James. According right. to the NHL, there's 19 right. games I, to play still. I still expect him to miss a couple, but your your point stands. Yeah. Um, but that's a big difference maker for your number one centerman to come back, and all of a sudden, it's it's just it's, it's such a, a bizarre scenario because I like their chances the longer they're out almost, but then it, it becomes <laughs> a race against time to, you know, how many games can we effectively play and then does the NHL wait for us like at, at some point does the NHL just say you know what sorry you tried but we're actually not gonna let you play all 56 because it's actually not in our best interest to have the Montreal Canadiens miss the playoffs because it's a big market but um yeah um I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't close the casket yet I guess is what I'm saying uh I uh... I have enough faith in Montreal. Hmm. They'll be they'll be fine. You know, Carey Price is coming back, right? I have enough faith in Montreal. I didn't right. say I have much faith in Montreal. Right. I just have enough that they'll that they'll not completely fuck this up. Dom's got uh, the Canucks getting past Calgary, but not enough to get them. Uh, within shooting distance of the Habs. So wow. uh, for the first time in 32 years, it looks like we might get a Leafs-Habs playoff matchup. What happened what last that? time? Uh, the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup, I believe. Oh. Um, oh. Kerry, some guy named Kerry Frazier robbed us of a, a game in the 90s. I'm not sure what happened oh. there. But, oh, no. Um what would that mean to like, let's, let's start off here yourself as a hockey fan. And secondly, to the, to the game of the, the larger scope of the NHL, something that we have not seen in the uh, Gary Bettman era, let alone yeah. the salary cap era. Yeah. I mean, Toronto Montreal has, has was a thing when I was watching hockey growing up. Um, but it, it it's, sort of fizzled off since like 2005 
And uh, gee, I wonder, I wonder where one of those teams went during that whole time. So, you know, now that the Leafs are back and relevant, I think that that's really going to help this rivalry sort of get back on track here. And, and, you know, there's a whole generation of, of Habs fans and Leafs fans um, that grew up with this not being a rivalry, right? Like you would turn on Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, Leafs and Habs. And it's, uh, you know, the Habs are, are sixth in the conference and the Leafs are 12th and it's uh, Boyd Devereaux versus uh, Dominic versus fucking Thomas Placanitz. And it's like, oh, this is t- terrible. Like, this is an awful rivalry. You know what I mean? What, what's firing up this rivalry? Oh, the Mikhail Grabowski trade, the great, de- the great debate. Like, there's just nothing to really get this rivalry going and get it fired up. And the Leafs fucking sucked. And even the years where they were okay, like, you know, not as much uh, physicality to either of these teams for a lot of years either. So there just really wasn't much to kind of get it going. And I think that uh, if it does, it, it helps because I think that the Battle of Alberta is really the only relevant Canadian rivalry right now. And, uh, we could use another one for sure because it's a division with seven teams and you talk about all these other divisions and all the all the rivalries there are in these divisions. And what are the rivalries we're talking about? Like the Battle of Florida. What the fuck is that? Like where where's Leafs Habs? It's not a thing and it needs it it would be nice to be a thing be a thing again. Um because it's getting too chummy. We both agree that we hate the Boston Bruins and now we're now we like each other and I just I don't I don't like that. It's getting too chummy over here. You're going to have uh, Vancouver, Seattle next year. You're going to have the Battle of Alberta. Uh, nobody can be mad at the Jets. Um, the Fuck Sens them. suck. So, yeah, the the Leafs-Habs need to, to be revitalized. Look, I haven't watched a meaningful Leafs-Habs game since um, the night of the the eve of the uh, 06 playoffs, the 06-07 playoffs, where uh, the Leafs beat the Habs for the final playoff spot only to – <laughs> uh, lose it the next night thanks to uh i think it was doug Waite shootout goal um yeah for the islanders so neither team made it really it didn't help anybody that the leafs won that game but um yeah i think it'd be fantastic it's it's something i've never seen in my lifetime obviously i i was told not to like that team from a young age and i didn't like them and then i grew up and i was like wait why don't we like these guys we don't ever like seem to play them or be as good as them so yeah what's what's the problem here i would genuinely say that i kind of like montreal like that's fucked up right like that's fucked up i don't know if i'd go that far yeah no it's fucked up yeah i I can't hate to hate them again so yeah won't be long yeah um well maybe a quick couple quick things i wanted to touch on before we get to our overrated underrated favorite least favorite this uh this week um we we touched briefly uh in the uh the playoff talk about Stamkos being hurt. He goes on LTIR. It sounds like Nikita Kucherov is coming off LTIR. This seems like a very, very coincidental timing that these two players should happen to cross paths this way at this uh, juncture in the season. And it makes me question whether or not we have a legitimate LTIR uh, issue in the National Hockey League. And I'll I'll get your thoughts on it in a second, but I I have two 
you know, focuses when it comes to, to how teams use the LTIR. You, you've signed a guy and he gets hurt and that sucks. And you shouldn't be penalized for that player being hurt. And you should have the, the relief available to you that the LTIR provides. My, my, my problem stems from the idea that we can A, then trade said player that's injured to another team to help unload cap and get around all that. And the other problem is what we're seeing here with Tampa Bay, where you've got a guy that has missed the entire season. And the second that someone goes down that can cover the LTIR cap wise, there's this swap that's being made. Is, should there be more enforcement from the league to, to crack down to make sure that these guys are in fact game ready, uh, that they're not just sitting on the sidelines waiting for the playoffs to show up to, to get back in action, or is this fine? <sighs> so far, unfortunately, I think it's fine. Um, I mean – Look, like there, there, there is a lot. There are a lot of arguments to support the idea of resting guys, and obviously, it's becoming a thing in other sports. And unfortunately, it's going to make its way into hockey. And uh, whether or not people want to hear that, I, it's it's going to happen, right? Um, the the problem here uh, that I have with with everyone, you know, saying that that Tampa Bay is taking advantage of this, like, yeah, they're taking advantage of it if if they win. But if they don't win, this if they're doing it on purpose, which I know you're not saying that they are, but if they're intentionally sitting out guys to rest them or to do whatever the, whatever the fuck, and then they just lose anyway, hockey is very much a flow game, and you, you want your guys playing all the time. You want them in. You want them part of the team. Like As soon as you take a guy out, it's hard to get them back in and back up to speed and uh, like I, I literally just said that I think the third most likely team to come out of that division is Tampa. Like I, I, I think Florida is going to come out and if not, I would take Carolina over Tampa with or without these guys. I think the time that they've missed, I think the injuries that they supposedly have for sure Kucherov does anyway. And I don't see why they would just take Stamkos out. Um, like they're, they're hurt. The team hasn't been super amazing without Kucherov this year. They certainly aren't good when Vasilevsky's not in net. And all it takes is for him to play average for them to lose. So the question is, is, you know, do I think that it's fine if they're doing this on purpose? Like, there's nothing to really stop them from doing that. Because, you know, like, I, I, I just don't know how you enforce something. If Tampa Bay and their doctors deem it, responsible for them to take their time with Nikita Kucherov, then I think they should have every opportunity to do that. And the NHL can try to monitor that stuff all they want, but uh, short of bringing in their own doctors every day to evaluate guys, kind of like the Tour de France does with drug testing, I don't really know how you could enforce it. So, um, And I also don't really know what the solution would be cap-wise. Like, I don't really know how to I don't know what the more fair route to go is to alleviate someone who's out for the season. You know, like, yeah, you should, you should get their salary off the books. Probably. Like, I think that is probably the fair way to go. Uh, the NHL is obviously going to look at it. And if they think that this is going to become a problem, then, um, then maybe something will change. But 
you know, this is the first real big example we've seen of it before. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. And, and like, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like this, this is something that's benefited my team in the past and continues to benefit them. Yeah, I'm a big Riley Nash guy. Yeah. And, and it's, it's in, it's the way it's written in the rules. Like no one's breaking the rules per se. Like I think Tampa Bay is being a little bit, suspicious like i i wonder if all the information isn't getting out there but they don't have to provide the information so they're not really doing anything wrong um the the other point of of of, of conflict i have with this issue is sticking with tampa bay for example they've got marion gabrick on the book for uh almost five million dollars in cap relief um I, I I have a big problem with this, especially like like I said, like my team has gone out and they've gotten uh, Nathan Horton, who would never played again, and they've gotten uh, David Clarkson back, who was never going to play again, and they've benefited from those those cushions. Um, in in my mind, is is it too audacious to say that if if you as a franchise are going to take a guy and sign him to a contract, and then that guy gets hurt, and you have to place him on LTIR? that once he goes on LTIR, he can't be moved? Like, is, is there perhaps some logic there to avoid this sure. loophole system that seems to, you know, evolve where you've got Marion Hosa and Pronger and uh, Datsuk on the Arizona Coyotes uh, roster, but they'll never play a game for the franchise? Yeah, I mean, like, you can't, you can't trade an injured player in baseball. I, I'm not sure about the NFL. I guess you can in the NBA, but the NBA pretends to have a salary cap. But like the one league that doesn't have a salary cap is the one league where it's like, you're not trading a fucking injured guy. What are you nuts? Like if he's, if he's hurt, then what the hell is another team going to need him for? And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think those guys should be able to be moved. Fuck it. Like, you know, um, like put them on your LTIR and 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 you deal with it. And if you like, if you made that, like I I hate free agency. I think it's such a fucking waste in the NHL for most guys. So if you decided that you wanted to sign David Clarkson for seven hundred million dollars for eighty years, then that's your fucking problem. Just and then he's just yours now. If he blows out his back, so what? That was your fucking risk you took. He's yours. Mm-hmm. Why are you gonna go trade him? Yeah, you know. And if you it, want to it, trade him, he comes off LTIR and you can make the move, but you got to still eat that cap hit until you keep sure. moving. If you can find this guy who's just a, a nonstop injury to pass a physical one day so you can at least take him off your IR just to trade him and then the other team puts him on, sure. But but they're passing a fucking physical, man. It's the same thing Marion Hosa, like, okay, yeah, I, I feel bad about your skin, bro, but you're you're staying with Chicago now. And, um, you know, it's it's fascinating to think all the money that Arizona's ever paid for guys that never played for them. Like you, like that is just crazy when you think about it. Um, one more thing I wanted to touch on, uh, is seven years ago, we watched the retirement of Timo Solane, uh, play his final game. Uh, he, he's against the avalanche that night. They're in, they're in Anaheim and, uh, unbeknownst to most I think fans at the time uh, it was also J.S. Jaguar's last game. Now he was the backup goaltender for Colorado that night. He didn't play. And Timo made a point of going over, getting jiggy, breaking him out, doing a lap at the Honda center, obviously 
uh, cup winning teammates. And uh, I, I, I resaw the video. It, it surfaced again on the internet, marking the occasion brought back some memories because I, I tuned in specifically for Solani. I, I made a point. It was team with Solani's last game. Hell yes. I'm watching that. And I, I tuned in and I watched it. And I remember being blown away at this idea that he went out and got Jaguar and, and they had that moment together. So kind of in honor of, of what I would call my, my favorite NHL send off. Uh, I thought I would, I would pose the same question to you. What, what, what is your favorite NHL send off that you've, you remember uh, a guy playing his last game and, and who would be the next must see uh, a final game for a player uh, coming up? I thought, I thought that was you quitting the podcast there or something. And it's like, well, you know what? We're going to go out one big lap here. Yeah. Got my Ron McLean speech opportunity. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're just going to play a game. We're both going to win somehow. Uh, favorite center. Are we talking hockey or, or any sport? Probably hockey. I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll open up to any sport. If you got something that's, that's really emotional and, mm. and, and memorable for you. There, there have not been many instances, I think, where like some of my favorite athletes knew that it was their last game, um, you know, with a team like that's certainly true with uh, everyone in new England uh, as Julian Edelman retired this week. Like, <laughs> He probably deserved a better send off than that, um, but hmm, that's kind of a tough one. I mean, my, my all time favorite player retired mid season. Yeah, it was just one of those woke up one day. I can't do it anymore, and I didn't really get that opportunity to, to tune in to watch it. But yeah, Solani or Solani was a good one though. That like that is that is a good that is a good note. But I mean, like even even for me, like I don't. Uh, I don't really think St. Louis got much of a send off because they would have lost at the end of the playoffs, you know, mm. like, I don't, I don't remember there being any sort of thing there. Uh, Dustin Bufflin certainly did not know that it was his Ooh. last game. Well, yeah. sorry. We did not know that it was Dustin Bufflin's last game uh, when he played his. So like, I can't, I can't really say that. I, I will say like um, Sundin coming back to Toronto and the the Cujo game where he came in in the shootout when you kind of knew that it was his last season and you didn't really know if he was going to play any more games, but he came in in relief with like two minutes left in regulation, stood on his head, and um, and then the Leafs won in a shootout. And like Curtis Joseph was actually like brilliant that night. It's not me just saying that. Like it was all over highlight reels for several weeks. I I would probably say that. If if that qualifies as a send off, that would be kind of my favorite um, sort of last vintage moment for an athlete. I would say. Uh, I guess the other one that comes to mind too, Ryan Smith in Edmonton. I was, yeah, I was going to say was yeah. on the ice for about ten minutes uh, in tears. It was a famous crier by that point. I, I so believe they named him captain it. for that game too. Last game it of did. the season. Yeah, it did. Yeah, and and I. I grew up a massive Ryan Smith fan too. Like he would be right up there with St. Louis and Bufflin for me. So uh, I enjoyed that as well. And, and, and then, so who's next? Who, who are you going to absolutely tune in for their last game? If you should know it is their last game. Hmm. I imagine well, we're watching Joe Thornton's this year, regardless. Yeah. I, well, if it were my pick, we've already watched it. Uh, <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like the, the a weird one for me would be uh, 
would be Chara. Really? You know? Because, like, he'd be doing it as a capital, so it'd be like, who, who cares? You know? Yeah. But it, it, he is a, he'll be a weird one to kind of see retire, I think. Um, you know, like, I, I mean, it, it, we're kind of entering a different conversation here, but, like, I really don't know if Tuka Rask is going to re-sign in, in Boston either. And, like, you know, like, you look yeah. at what he's done there. Like, he, he has been, what, the third or fourth best goaltender since the lockout? Probably, like, the fourth, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, that, he's been crazy. And he didn't even play the whole time. So, like, that, that would be a weird one, too, if that happens. But, yeah, like, I guess Thornton would be the obvious answer. Um, I'm hoping that Thornton and Spezza both get their moment this this year. Uh, with a big shiny cup in their hands, but mm. we'll we'll have to the, see. Uh, the Clarence has Campbell for those at home listening. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, the playoffs are always tough because you never know how a, how a guy's going to react to you know to 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 going out like that. Uh, so I was trying to think uh, outside the box, non playoff teams like you know Patty Marlowe, I would imagine is done after this year. The guy just doesn't have any more. I don't know if I'd tune in for that, but. Um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see when he hangs him up. Um, He's an interesting one because it's not like they have a ton of guys that would take the spot. But once he's broken the record in a couple days and they're in a playoff spot, how many more does he play? Like, does he play every game? Or are they looking to get him to that number? Because, like, if they want him to play every game just to be nice to him, like, yeah, he gave them however many years fuck it they they're pretty shitty like if you want to play him go ahead but he also he is also very bad now so if you want to scratch him like does he just break the record and sit a bunch of the season like i don't know maybe he retires even you know like maybe he maybe he retires tomorrow night or whenever that fucking game is where he's gonna break the record like i don't know mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but yeah you're right he'd, he'd be a guy for sure the other one that i had full intentions of tuning in for but i don't know if he's ever going to play again now uh, was Henrik Lundqvist. I, I was really looking forward. Yeah. Like I, that was a guy where I hands down would have tuned in for it, but like he just announced he's not coming back this year. Does he come back next year? I, I don't know how you do it, but maybe I guess. Yeah. Or have we seen it already? It's hard to say. Probably. You, you, yeah. you would have to think. Statistically speaking, I think the 41 year old that just had heart surgery is probably done, but yeah, the odds yeah. would support that theory for yeah. sure. I think, uh, excuse me, I think one more um, that'll be kind of emotional is going to be Ryan Getzlaff. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Not really sure how that's going to play out. Uh, he had every opportunity to go to Vegas if he wanted to this year, and they just I couldn't get a deal done from what I understand. So I wonder if he plays the rest of the season and then says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go next year. Or if he's going to be one of those guys like a Kyle Lowry type, where it's just like, yeah, I've, I like, I'm just, I've given it all to Anaheim, and I'm going to keep giving it all to Anaheim until they don't want me here anymore, kind of thing. And maybe he, maybe he resigns there and plays out the rest of his career on a team that likely isn't going to be in Stanley Cup contention before he's done. I don't know, but he, he's given a lot to that team, and I think that's going to be an interesting one too. I imagine we have another year or two left, but. Uh... I think uh, Eric Stahl, I'll be tuning in for regardless. Yeah, I'll I'll be sad, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
Uh, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite this week. We were doing, we mm-hmm. did sitcom dads at one point. Mm-hmm. So we're doing sitcom moms. We're we also gonna, did sitcom gonna... actresses. But I, I don't know about you, but most of my actresses uh, were not roles not where moms. they played a mom for their biggest right. role either. So, right. uh, yeah, yeah, no moms this time. So, we, we did the dads. We're, we're going to do the moms. We're, uh, we're about a month out from Mother's Day, but. Ah, sure. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, would you like to start sort of with your overrated sitcom sure. mom? Yeah. Lois Griffin for me. Uh, wow. I did Lo- not think animated, but Lo- yeah. <laughs> Lois is uh, like, obviously on that show, character traits aren't a huge, huge thing, right? Like not, not at this point anymore. It's more or less just sketch comedy. Uh, the characters are a vehicle for which they're just using them to make the jokes. Aren't we all? And yeah, that's right. That's just, it's all we are in life. And uh, that was good. And so uh, like Lois, like Lois, Lois doesn't contribute a ton to the show though. I, I, I like her existence because she keeps Peter in check in a way, but her voice is incredibly annoying. And when they were toying with the notion of killing her off, I genuinely didn't care. Mostly because I didn't care about the show at that point, um, but I really didn't care if she were gone. It's the same thing. It's, they were trying to kill off Brian, and it didn't work. But like I was like, "Well, it'll work though. It'll be fine. I, no one will miss him." You know? I don't know. Sure. They're, just, they're just animated characters for me, so it's kind of like whatever. But yeah, Lois annoys me mostly because of her voice. Hmm. Uh, my overrated mom is uh, Moira Rose from Shit's Creek. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Um, we're all talking like she's the the greatest character that ever did done exist in the history of cinema uh, t- television. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's it's I'm I've I've heard so much about this goddamn show and it's, it's fine. Like it's okay. It's not it's not Mount Rushmore television shows of all time and People are making it out like it just revolutionized television, and I don't get it. I have a suggestion for you and I, because when I was doing this exercise, I had a thought in that uh, I I have always been very fascinated with your taste in sitcoms. Okay. I, I would like us to do a top 10 favorite sitcoms at some point in the, in the coming weeks, if we can. Because I would, I'd be curious for your list. It just feels like, and this doesn't mean anything. It just, I feel like all the time when I find like a new show, I'm like, ah, oh, it's great. You're like, ah, eh, I didn't, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you have a very distinct taste, and I think it's interesting. So I want to know more about it. I want the listeners to know more about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's going to be that um, '70s show ten times, pretty much. Yeah, you're underrated. Peggy Hill. Peggy Hill rocks, man. She rocks. She's cool. Hmm. I, uh, yeah. I just, I've been rewatching that show too, and like, uh, a lot of the later seasons, I've genuinely never seen most of the episodes, and I'm watching them, and, um, she, she, she kicks ass. Like, she's just hilarious. Uh, very full of herself, which is kind of funny, um, but is still like a very good mom. Like, she's so on top of everything that it makes her kind of irritating and funny to watch. But uh, she she keeps that family running, man. It's it's great. So, 
and I think a lot of people are just kind of sour on King of the Hill, which I, which I, I don't know. I find weird because I, everyone, everyone likes every other Greg Daniels show, but the one that's probably the funniest one that he's done is not like, you know, I don't know if it's just because it's animated or what, but yeah, I don't know. It's just a lot of people don't like it, and I think it's very good. So, okay. Uh, my underrated is Deborah Ramon from Everybody Loves Raymond. Hmm. Uh, I find that she uh, she's a uh, the brunt of a lot of jokes, and she takes a back seat to a lot of the characters. Deborah's um, cool, but pay attention to Deborah, man. She's 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 fucking she's fucking good. She puts Ray in her place in his place a lot of the time, and she's also like like a better mom than that show makes her to be. Like, yeah. Uh, we're always making fun of her cooking and shit. Like, yeah, but no, she's, she's doing a good job. She's a good mom. Yeah. She's got three kids. Uh, the twins are little monsters. Her husband doesn't help her at all. Oh no. So, um, like he does nothing. He, he's terrible. <laughs> not good. He's not a, not a good dad. Um, and most of when he is, is cause of her. So yeah, no, she's good though. Like she, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's not doesn't get the love she's, though. She's not my favorite mom on the show. Uh, mm. I even think I like Deborah's mom more than I like Deborah, but wow. Deborah's Deborah's good. Okay. Uh, just for the jokes, you know. Yeah, Amy's mom's hilarious too. That's true. Pat. <laughs> yeah. Um my my favorite in a walk uh, is Lois from Malcolm in the Middle. Mm. Um. Very, very possibly my favorite sitcom character of any kind of all time. Uh, she, she again, like, t- takes a lot of the jokes. She's a very good mom, considering uh, they have no money and four kids and five, actually, for part of the series. Uh, they have no money. Like, I was watching an episode the other day. They're so poor when she gets fired from her job uh, that they're having macaroni and rice for dinner. And the night before, they had rice and macaroni. Like, it's just the same <laughs> side dishes just mashed into different versions of, the, of a different meal. It's, it's great. Like, she does a very good job of, of keeping, um, for sure, uh, one of the biggest group of, of, like, one of the biggest misfit family groups in television history. Uh, and the house doesn't burn down at any point of the series, which in and of itself is kind of a miracle when you think about it. So yeah, Lois, Lois is great when she gets mad. It's my favorite running gag and in, in television, like just that she's just so angry and it's fucking awesome. She's, she's great. That's a good one. I, I didn't, I didn't consider her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is uh, Marie Ramon from everybody loves Raymond. Mm. Uh, it is Barone. I will, I will add. Is it Barone? Yeah, it's Barone. Barone. Raymond Barone. Yeah, I guess Raymond Ramon is a bit. To, to you'd say. remember. You'd remember that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I got the Frank name Barone. wrong, but that's fine. No, it's it's okay. We're not watching the show to get uh, the names correct necessarily. I like how I'm changing it on my my sheet right now, as if it matters. Like it's I'm done with this in five seconds. So, um, what are the twins' yeah, yeah. names? Jeffrey, Michael, and Jeffrey. Is that their I, names? Michael for Michael for sure. I don't know. Yeah, I think Jeffrey's the other one. Allie's yeah. the daughter. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's Jeffrey. Anyway. Uh, Marie is great. Um, she she is like I think a lot of people's idea of what a mom or a grandma is in real life. Like she very she very closely resembles that that association where it's I've got. 
I've got the great life. I, I know everything that needs to happen. And I, I know more than my daughter-in-law and she treats her son, one of them uh, with uh, so much love and uh, just, you know, is by her, by her husband's side the, the whole time, despite his, his uh, pale attempts at, you know, involving himself in any, any type of discussion with the, with the family. But mm-hmm. I, I love Marie. She's, she's fantastic. Marie, Marie's good. I would, I would go to Marie's house for dinner. And I, I and, yeah, I am shocked that it's not Kitty Foreman. Okay, so Kitty Foreman almost made my overrated. Okay, I almost, I think Kitty Foreman might actually be a little underrated uh, though. Like, that's, I think that's interesting. Well, I don't know, man. Like, pound for pound. She she is one of the funniest characters on the show, and like the show is not necessarily centered around her until the later seasons. But like the first three or four seasons, like there are episodes where she is for sure the funniest part of the episode. I think mm-hmm. so. Like I I don't know. Like she, I mean, she got made into a meme in certain examples. So like that's gotten her some acclaim now, and I think that seventy shows kind of got a second wind because it got put on Netflix, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would put her almost underrated, I would think. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Marie Marie reigns supreme on this one. Yeah. Uh, my least favorite, uh, I like the show. I, I think the actress is fine. And I even think the character's existence within the show is fine. But the character sucks because she's not a good person. So my least favorite is uh, Dee Dee Pritchett from uh, Modern Family. Uh yeah, Claire's mom sucks, and it, and I get it's maybe a cop out because this is a part time character. She's only in like twenty episodes or something like that. But when Dee Dee comes around, she she blows, man. She's a terrible grandma, terrible mom. She sucks. Okay. Um, I really struggled with least favorite because uh, it's not an easy one. Yeah, like uh, of of the sitcoms I don't love, not a lot of them have moms in them that are. You know, relevant enough to to say that you don't like them, right? Sure. Like, I don't love The Office, but I, there's not really a mom character. Not a lot of moms. To. Uh, Friends is another one I don't I don't love, but again, it's yeah, unless you want to count Rachel as being a mom in season seven, then uh, that doesn't really count. Hmm. Um, and then a lot of a lot of mom characters are specifically designed to be likable. It's mom, like you're supposed to like your mom, right? So. I I, th- I thought this was really hard. Um, when when you mentioned uh, animated characters off the hop, uh, it, it jogged something for me. I came up with something. It's not a great answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna admit that up front. But uh, Marge I, I think, Simpson. I, I think Sherry Fry from Futurama is a real bad mom because because her son yeah goes Futurama out to deliver rocks. pizzas and like you don't follow up like you don't maybe ask where he was delivering pizzas that night and find his body frozen in a room that is very it's very easy to turn that machine off i would imagine and and just bring him back into the 19th century and like but then i guess we don't have futurama so maybe 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 she's not so bad i don't know pretty shitty she didn't go looking for her son it's a good show it's a really good show yeah Mm -hmm. hmm I heard they were they were talking, talking about a reunion season. I don't know if they're gonna, but they were talking about just wow. doing one more. But like, didn't they did reboot it 
like that would be the second reboot of it, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, they did something weird where they like they, it went away for like eight years and came back, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it, it after season three, like it stopped in two thousand and oh, sorry, season four they stopped in two thousand and two. Then they came back and did season five and eight. They stopped again and they came back and did seasons uh, six and seven uh, over the course of three years from 2010 to 2013. Hmm. So, okay. yeah, well, maybe they'll maybe they'll do weird. it again. Yeah, I'd be down. Weird, but yeah, let's hmm. do it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. I like it. Uh, yeah. So this this has been uh, the Jim Jeffries special edition of the podcast hmm. uh, for April 18th. Um, you you found me here. This is the only place you will do so. So if you want to find me again, uh, look where you looked this time next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am Bruce Vitaglia from the High Button. You can find me on the High Button uh, if you need me for anything else. I am usually laying in my bed at home because we're not allowed to do anything else. So I'm mm. incredibly reachable. If you want to reach me, I've got time. So. Wow. Okay, there it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll be sure to post the uh, the cell phone and email address that you can reach uh, Mr. Bataglia at. Mm. In the wow. Maybe we'll create a Patreon page. Like you can pay me for that information if you don't already have it. If you get your address out there, maybe you can get some free samples sent to your house. I hear that's a thing that happens. Uh, I, I got to tell you, James, I get stuff in the mail every day and I don't really even know it's coming a lot of the time. So I'm buying a lot of stuff. Okay. When we're, when we're done here, I'm placing the, my confirmation for $1,000 in golf stuff. Uh, nice. It will be discounted and not all of it's for me. But I, it is optimistic, considering as of right now we're not allowed to golf. So, hmm. yeah. Let's see, maybe I'll get it. To, maybe I'll get to use it. There you go. Okay. Well, uh, I think I, guess, uh... I think next next Sunday we'll have an episode yeah. out, probably. I assume. I think we'll just be normal this week. So, hmm. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Goodbye. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. Get me. I got a date with destiny. My heart says yeah, but can't convince the rest of me. I tried so hard to make it with no recipe. My selfish ways caught up and got the best of me. I need redemption, no need to mention my past. Cause all that matters now is bigger than diamonds and cash. The glitz, the glamour, the lights, the camera, the action, the stage, the fans, the speakers blasting. You know I wanted, I need it. Don't doubt it, I can't live without it. This is everything I've dreamed of, it's everything I've ever wanted. But is it really truly in my plans? Put the guy mix up my blueprints. Did he have it right there in his hands? Anybody give me a hint? I can feel it now, I know it's coming. And I don't give a fuck what anybody say. I'm falling, I'm prison, I chose to select and dismiss and incarceration through these bars created a prison. And I intend to do the time that this sentence is given. 25 to life, yeah, that's how I'm living. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever make it. 